0: But well, I I remember a time when I was with my dad. I was probably like well, 13, 12, 13, something like that about the age of my oldest right now and I remember this moment we were, we went to a store and I think that we I don't remember the exact circumstances. I think we were trying to return something. The main thing I remember is that we were trying to kind of stay in the good graces of the manager and it was kind of up to this guy whether whatever transaction we were trying to do would work or not. And uh, I remember my dad kind of said his case and kind of sat there quietly. And at some point in the silence, I kind of filled in all of the reasons why he shouldn't give us that discount or let us return it, and the look from my dad. Like, what are you doing? He's like, stop it, be quiet for a second, will you? And and it was interesting because I remember afterwards, you know, it was a great marking moment. My dad wasn't like really mad or anything, but he, I, I learned a couple things. When somebody is helping you, sometimes just be quiet, right? Don't give them reasons to stop. But what I remember was that look on his face of like, you know, whose side are you on here? I think you're on my side, right? And and that's a right expectation that we have. We expect that our family and our friends are on our side, that they should work on our side. They should do things that help our cause, that help us to do what we need to do. And I think that that's, that's a right thing for us to think. Unfortunately, sometimes we also have a pretty narrow view about what it means to be on our side. Sometimes I think, If somebody's on my side, that means they need to agree with whatever I'm doing, or they need to back me up in whatever situation, even if I'm wrong. That doesn't seem right. There was a pretty funny uh, moment of that. It wasn't funny at the time. It's funny now in retrospect. Do you remember uh, when the U.S. invaded Iraq about 2003, right, I think it was? Uh, not all of the US's allies were really on board with the whole thing. And do you remember that France in particular was like, yeah, we're not really, not really into this thing. And America was like, wait, are you on our side or what? Right? And so there was this whole big thing about it. And do you remember that even in the congressional, like their cafeteria, do you remember that they changed the name to their fries? You remember? Freedom Fries. We're taking the French out of this. Right? Because are you on our side or what? And apparently, we didn't feel like they were because we were like, hey, this is what it means to support us. That's kind of how we saw it. And, and it's a little bit funny now, right? I don't think anybody really eats freedom fries. Anybody still eating freedom fries instead of French fries? I don't know. Um, they started in Belgium anyway, so whatever. That's a whole other thing. Um, the Belgian people are really all about that. They're like, French did not think of that. <clears throat> Uh, so whose side are you on? and you know it can be serious though too you know it's kind of funny, but it can be serious we, th- we can think of moments where sometimes we don't even act in our own best interests, that I do not always do the things that are necessarily in my best interest and what does it mean then for somebody to be on my side? I, there are times when I act like my own worst enemy. How many of you have ever acted like your own worst enemy? Anybody else? Thank you. That makes me feel better. A couple of people didn't raise your hand. What's that all about? Okay. Okay. If you are next to somebody who didn't raise their hand, that person is, doesn't know themselves very well. I, I want you to help them out. Uh, so we can sometimes act like our own worst enemy. And in those moments, what does it mean for us to say to somebody, are you on my side? If somebody actually is really on your side, they may act in a way that doesn't necessarily agree with you. I have that experience with my children a lot. I had that experience as a child with my parents a lot, that there were things that I wanted, I didn't get, but my parents were trying to be on my team, actually, to be the one who would do that. And that's when we're acting like our own worst enemy, in a moment of clarity, our friend is actually going to be on our side by maybe working against what we're doing. So the question of... Whose side are you on did come up in this week's readings? If you are just joining us, we, during this series, this season right now, for the next couple of months, we're reading through a big chunk of scripture. We're trying to expose ourselves to different parts of scripture. And one of the ones that we are in is uh, we're going to be reading from Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. You can just read that in your Bible or on your Bible app, or you can use one of the especially formatted books that are on the back table and the entryway. You can grab one of those on your way out, and you can read along with us. There's a reading plan in there and everything. So what we're going to try to do in each of these is to try to touch on some topic. And the topic I was given for this thing was the whole book of Joshua, which, because we did baptisms today, we are not going to talk about all of the book of Joshua. Uh, If you have lots of other questions, I'm sure there are things that came up. If you did read it, maybe you are familiar with this in some way and you have some big questions. Uh, I would love to be able to talk with you some more about that. I have some resources to give you. We can talk about what those things are. But one of the the, the big themes that we can see when we look at the book of Joshua is this question of whose side are you On And that question came up specifically in Joshua 5. If you have your Bible, you can open to Joshua 5. And there's this mysterious figure who comes up to Joshua. Joshua was the head of God's people. At the time, Moses had been with him and had passed away. Now, it had fallen to this guy, Joshua. And they are moving into this land that God had promised them. And just before they come before kind of the first big city, this city of Jericho. Uh, they, there's this interaction, and this is beginning in verse 13, and it says this, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This guy means business. Uh, there is, this person is ready to fight. Joshua went up to him, that's pretty brave, and said, Are you for us? for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Oh, that's a boss statement right there. (laughs) Neither one, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm not here just for you. What's my reason to be here? Because I'm the commander of the army of the Lord, not because you called for me or something. Joshua Then fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So, interesting interaction. Person never gives their name. But here we have this commander of the Lord's armies standing face to face with the commander of the Israelite army as they're coming into the promised land. And so his question, Joshua, whose side are you on? Are you on my side or are you on my enemy's side? And this person says, neither. I'm not on your side. But I'm not against you, Right? This person is obviously coming to fight, ready to fight. The sword is out. And God had said that, that he would support them, that he would fight for his people. So this is, this, and I think that this particular circumstance, this thing that happens, it ends up reframing a lot of the things that we see in the book of Joshua afterwards. Because the question that God is asking, Joshua is saying, are you on my side? But God is replying back to him, oh no, my question for you is, are you on my side? So Joshua and all of us, we want God to be on our side. But what God is saying back to us is, no, the question is, are you with me or not? Are you going to be doing the things that I want you to do? I am the Lord. You need to be following me. Are you with me? And, and I would say if this were just a, a story from antiquity, there's plenty of interesting culture that's going on in all these different circumstances, but there's, there's no reason why a chronicler of that time would include something like this? Presumably, at some point, the people who have been copying this know that the Israelites do go into the land and conquer it. It would make if they were rewriting this, wouldn't it make sense for them to run into the commander of the Lord's armies and and ask the question, Are you for us or for my enemies? And for him to go, Of course I'm with you. I, God is sending you into this land, and I'm going to be fighting for you. God does say, I will fight for you. He says that. But wouldn't it make sense, in a way, if, if we were just, if, if, if somebody were writing this later to say, well, obviously God was with me, so that's what the commander of the Lord's armies would say. But what this commander says is, no, I'm, I'm not on your side or on your enemy. I am for God's purposes first. And the question is, are you going to come with me in God's purposes Huge moment, and there are some parallels. Did anybody hear a parallel in there? When you did, you think of another story that might have happened somewhere else in the Old Testament when you heard any of this? Moses, uh, because he says, "Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy." There's a reference back to Moses, and and there's tons of stuff that's important for Joshua as a leader to know that God is with you as you're going into this new experience. But also what happened when Moses met God, the the time when he had to take his sandals off was when there was God revealed himself in the burning bush. That God came in the form of a a bush, a flame, but not burning up. And God met with him and sent him on this scary mission back to Pharaoh to bring the people out. And here, Joshua has a similar experience. And what's interesting for us as Christians, as we look at these things, you say, this person never identifies themselves specifically even as an angel. Other angels will identify themselves very clearly. But there are several different places in Scripture where we, we meet kind of strange figures a bit like this. And it could be, uh, where sometimes it'll use the phrase, the angel of the Lord, uh, or it could be something like where Moses meets God in the burning, burning bush, where this figure that they meet is, uh, somehow uh, speaks for God and also associates himself directly with God. Right after this, in chapter 6, uh, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua. So this is God speaking directly through this figure who's unnamed, and I, it's a it's a figure who is somehow separate from god but also god appearing to people at a certain point in in time and i think a case could be made uh, that there are places throughout scripture where god manifests himself and this could be god's word even in a kind of a preliminary Moment where uh, the Word of God is becoming flesh for a moment. Not taking on flesh, but speaking to people directly. This is a a Christ figure who's coming to speak to Joshua in this moment. Who is the commander of the Lord's armies? It's God himself who comes and speaks to him and meets him. He's not a friend. He's not a foe. He's neither. The question is, is he going to be on God's side? And he meets with God. When we think about Christ himself, the perfect servant, the one who was willing to actually do everything that God said. What, is, what do the scriptures say about him? Christ was not somebody who was looking out for his own interests. If not, he wouldn't have needed to come. He wasn't looking out to, to give himself comfort or to protect himself. If not, he wouldn't have given his life on a cross. He, wouldn't have, he, wouldn't have, he would have tried to protect himself. This is Philippians 2, 6-8, describing Jesus. Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." That Christ himself was willing to be the servant to say, I will do what the Father asks no matter what. And that's what God is asking Joshua to do. Will you do what I ask? Will you go where I want you to go? Will you be willing to do what I want you to do? And, and he, he begins by this, taking this humble attitude of he does take his shoes off, he worships. It's one of the reasons why we might think that it's not an angel, that he, this person accepts his worship, doesn't say, hey, whoa, 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 that's what angels go. No, 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 I'm not, that's not me. <laughs> you need to do that for God. Um, but this person accepts that worship, and we ourselves are call, called with the same calling to be people like Christ who would give ourselves completely in humility to serve and love God because what God is asking us is whose side are you on I, I'm I was I'm always struck by it as part of that baptism uh the 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 liturgy of the baptism that we ask one of the questions is do you reject the forces of evil and it, it's it's a question of kind of whose side are you on And are you going to stick with this thing? And of course, we know we we don't have strength in ourselves to do that. But we are openly saying with our mouth, this is what I want. God, help me to walk in this way. We're saying, I want to be on your side, God. The the default position, I think, for us as humans is we kind of want God to be a little bit our magic genie. We want God to be able to give us our wishes. We want God to be able to, to do the things that we want and to do it in the timeline that we want it. And, and And unless we actively choose something else, unless we actively choose that we're going to submit ourselves to God, to be humble to God, I think that that's just kind of the natural way that we approach the world. That we think, I, I want this thing. And I've experienced that in my own life, right? When things don't go my way, or I haven't gotten that thing that I prayed for in the timeline that I want, I get upset. But God is saying, are you going to be on my side? And God's purposes sometimes are going to run counter to our own purposes for our lives. Sometimes we are going to want something, and because he's a good father, he is not going to do that. What I want usually is just to like, make my own decisions and kind of sprinkle a little holy water on it and like let God let me on my way. And truthfully, I will say, there's probably plenty of things. If we, There's probably enough of the Christian life that you can keep enough of the external trappings of Christian life that you can actually kind of—there's a certain amount of praying— and a certain amount of living a Christian life that you can live and it doesn't have to affect your purposes. That we can we can pray for just enough that we, we, we say, God give God bless me, I guess, something like that. We can we can pray shallow enough prayers, we can pray for a little enough time that we are not, we can be unbothered by God's program for our life. But that's not the question that what we want. We're not trying to just be unbothered. God in our life. God is saying, I am here, I'm going to bother. I am going to. have my own program, and sometimes that's going to stir. Sometimes that is going to shake what we want, because we want God at our own convenience. We say, God, I, you got this little slice of the pie, please don't touch anything else. <laughs> But, but what God is saying is He's coming to us at His convenience. It's His will. He wants to work His will. And the question is just, are we going to be a partner with Him in, in that or not? But we, we can't just pray prayers of self-protection or of self-interest. At some point, Christ is telling us we need to pray for our enemies. And that, by definition, is not what we want. There are enemies that we by definition need to pray that god not my will but yours be done that's not very easy maybe god would give us enough courage to do those things to honor him to face our own life even if it feels risky and hard so there is a certain amount of being spiritual that is completely socially acceptable But what God is calling us into is a life that touches beyond that. That it's not just a superficial thing that where we accept God on our own terms, but where we are able to say not to God, God, are you on my side? But God, I want to be on your side. And I don't know what that means exactly. But I accept that I think it's going to mean that my life is going to get changed. At the end of the book of Joshua, if you know any verses from the book of Joshua, maybe you would know where there's in the beginning where God says to him, be strong and courageous. And at the very end, you may even, if you have shopped at certain stores, even have like a towel that says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Right? Uh, that is at the end of the book of joshua that's in joshua twenty four i think yes uh, joshua twenty four and at the end of joshua twenty four what I love is i you can see that Joshua actually understood what the Lord came to say to him because he got the message he he doesn't do it perfectly, and we see that he's not a perfect leader, but he does get the message because at the end of the book of Joshua, he calls the people together. He brings all these, the representatives from their families and all the, the leaders, and he says, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm going to go. Now, here's the question is, are you going to be with the Lord or not? Are you going to give into God's program? He's saying, whose side are you on? Are you just going, now that you're here and in the land and feeling kind of safe, is it going to just go to your program again? Once you got out of that moment where you were praying because things were really hard, maybe you've had a moment where you, life was pressing in on you and you were praying hard because you needed that job or you needed that thing, you needed somebody in that moment or you needed some change in your circumstances, so you were praying hard. And then the question is, when you get out of those circumstances, do you just kind of go back to your own program? Uh, that's too, it's too easy for me to do that. And and God is saying to me, whose side are you on? And what he does at the end, Joshua, he tells the people, he says, he says in verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all thankfulness. This is chapter 24, verse 14. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or uh, maybe the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So, you know, if, if it seems tough for you to serve God, then, like, let's stop pretending. Why don't you just go ahead and serve the God from over there or over here? Just pick some other program and not pretend anymore. But he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So he, he has gotten the message from God that it's not about my program. I need to give myself to God's program. And he, in turn, turns that back to all the people. And he says, the thing that God asked me was, are, whose side are you on? And I want to ask you the same thing. Whose side are you on? That's what Joshua turns it out to the people. And I think we can have a moment even for ourselves in just a second to think about whose side are we on? That's what we want from uh, ideally, you know, that's really, that's why when we're most upset with our politicians is because we say, you made a promise to do the Constitution. Whose side are you on? Are you on your own side or not? Like, we don't like selfish politicians. We don't like selfish Christians who look like they're out for their own interests instead of for God's interests. Whose side are we on? We there's, there are going to be lots of moments where we have to choose between something that's mostly just for us or really that, that is very faithful. And I can't say what all of those things are. We run into a lot of those moments throughout our life. Does it mean that we, uh, will we choose to be faithful with the little energy and money and our gifts and our time that we can be to give it to God? And I, I want to ask us, whose side are we on? And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's helpful for us to actually say to God that we want to be on your side. God, we, we want to serve you. And you know what? Just like in baptism, you know, we know that the road is rocky and you are not perfect. What we are counting on is not that we are going to be so strong, but that God who went before us is going to be the one who is strong. That we put our faith in Christ and not in ourselves. We put, our, we put all of our trust in what God has done for us. That Christ himself was the one who gave himself on the cross for us. That we can be forgiven. No matter what has happened in the past. No matter what can happen in the future. What we are declaring is that we are with him. And he actually wants us and likes us. I would like for all of us to take a moment to pray to maybe even take a chance to declare that we want to follow God. So I'd like for us to, to pray. Maybe you can even close your eyes. Lord, we look at this passage and uh, just a short little thing where you're, you say, Neither. And I, I, I find that in my own life that there are times when I pray, and I think I ask you kind of the same question in a different way. Like, God, why weren't you there? I thought you were on my side. Are you on my side or not? And what I want to hear from this is that you say, neither. I'm, on, I'm doing my thing. The question is, are you with me? And for all of us here, in your own weakness and asking for God's grace, even if you have already given your life to God in the past, I want, before God today, I'd like for you to declare that you want to be on his side. And I would love for you to raise your hand and say, God, I want to be on your side. So if you want to be on God's side, God, raise your hand. Lord, I want to be on your side. In my weakness, I want you. Lord, will you guide me in this? I give myself to you. God, it is not by our power but by Christ alone that we in baptism and in our whole life we that verse that was read uh, I think it was in Sarah's verse that we clothe ourselves in Christ that we are all equal before you if we're rich we don't have any more spirit if we're poor we have no less spirit that you are the one at work in us will you work in our community to shape us and guide us and may we take our shoes off in your presence, in humility, and say it's not about our program, but about yours, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.